Legendary Passages, Episode 115, Plutarch's Life of Theseus, Section 22, The Ship of Theseus. Previously, Theseus returned from the labyrinth, only to find his father Aegeus had jumped off the Sunian cliffs, thinking him dead. In this passage, the people of Athens welcome the reign of their new king, and his many innovations. Not only had Theseus seemingly returned from the dead, but so had the thirteen other boys and girls from the tribute to Minos. Many new traditions began with their return. Funny cross-dressing for the boys who had snuck aboard as girls. A makeshift stew the youths had cobbled together in the labyrinth. And a feast celebrating their miraculous return. Even the ship of tribute was preserved for centuries, new wood replacing old, until nothing was left of the original. King Theseus resettled the population of Attica, even inviting foreigners to rededicate Athens as a city proper. The people were split into three classes, nobility, tradesmen, and craftsmen. He instituted democratic reforms and self-rule, but preserved his military authority. And lastly, for his dedication to agriculture, or in memory of the Marathonian bull, or perhaps Taurus, the general of Minos, Athenian coins were stamped with the image of a bull and referred to as oxen. The Ship of Theseus a legendary passage from Bernadette Perrin, translating Lucius Mestrius Plutarchus, Life of Theseus, sections 22 to 25. The messenger found many of the people bewailing the death of their king, and others full of joy at his tidings, as was natural, and eager to welcome him and crown him with garlands for his good news. The garlands then he accepted, and twined them about his herald's staff, and on returning to the seashore, finding that Theseus had not yet made his libations to the gods, remained outside the sacred precincts, not wishing to disturb the sacrifice. But when the libations were made, he announced the death of Aegeus. Thereupon, with tumultuous lamentation, they went up in haste to the city, Whence it is, they say, that to this day, at the festival of Oscophoria, it is not the herald that is crowned, but his herald's staff, and those who are present at the libations cry out, Elelu, Io, Io. The first of which cries is the exclamation of eager haste and triumph, the second of consternation and confusion. After burying his father, Theseus paid his vows to Apollo on the seventh day of the month Pyanepsian, for on that day they had come back to the city in safety. Now the custom of boiling all sorts of pulse on that day is said to have arisen from the fact that the ewes who were brought back safely by Theseus put what was left of their provisions into one mess, boiled it in one common pot, beasted upon it, and ate it all up together. At that feast they also carry the so-called 
Yerison, which is a bow of olive wreathed with wool, such as Theseus used at the time of his supplication, and laden with all sorts of fruit offerings, to signify that scarcity was at an end, and as they go they sing. Yerson for us brings figs and bread of the richest, brings us honey in pots and oil to rub off from the body, strong wine too in a beaker, that one may go to bed mellow. Some writers, however, say that these rites are in memory of the Heraclide, who were maintained in this manner by the Athenians, but most put the matter as I have done. The ship on which Theseus sailed with the ewes and returned in safety, the thirty-oared galley, was preserved by the Athenians down to the time of Demetrius Phalaris. They took away the old timbers from time to time and put new and sound ones in their places, so that the vessel became a standing illustration for the philosophers in the mooted questions of growth, some declaring that it remained the same, others that it was not the same vessel. It was Theseus who instituted also the Athenian festival of Oscophoria. For it is said that he did not take away with him all the maidens on whom the lot fell at that time, but picked out two young men of his acquaintance who had fresh and girlish faces, but eager and manly spirits, and changed their outward appearance almost entirely by giving them warm baths and keeping them out of the sun, by arranging their hair, and by smoothing their skin and beautifying their complexions with unguents. He also taught them to imitate maidens as closely as possible in their speech, their dress, and their gait, and to leave no difference that could be observed, and then enrolling them among the maidens who were going to Crete, and was undiscovered by any. And when he was come back, he himself and these two young men headed a procession, arrayed as those are now arrayed who carry the vine branches. They carry these in honor of Dionysus and Ariadne, and because of their part in the story, or rather, because they came back home at the time of the vintage. And the women called Dinopferoi, or supper-carriers, take part in the procession and share in the sacrifice in imitation of the mothers of the young men and maidens on whom the lot fell, for these kept coming with bread and meat for their children. And tales are told at this festival, because these mothers, for the sake of comforting and encouraging their children, spun out tales for them. At any rate, these details are to be found in the history of demon. Furthermore, a sacred precinct was also set apart for Theseus, and he ordered the members of the families which had furnished the tribute to the Minotaur to make contributions toward a sacrifice to himself. This sacrifice was superintended by the Phytalidae, and Theseus thus repaid them for their hospitality. After the death of Aegeus, Theseus conceived a wonderful design and settled all the residents of Attica in one city, thus making one people of one city out of those who, up to that time, had been scattered about and were not easily called together for the common interest of all. Nay, they sometimes actually quarreled and fought with each other. 
He visited them, then, and tried to win them over to his project township by township and clan by clan. The common folk and the poor quickly answered to his summons. To the powerful he promised government without a king and a democracy, in which he should only be commander in war and guardian of the laws, while in all else everyone should be on an equal footing. Some he readily persuaded to this course, and others, fearing his power, which was already great, and his boldness, chose to be persuaded rather than forced to agree to it. Accordingly, after doing away with the town halls and council chambers and magistries in the several communities, and after building a common town hall and a council chamber for all on the ground where the upper town of the present day stands, he named the city Athens and instituted a Panathenic festival. He instituted also the Mediosia, or Festival of Settlement, on the sixth day of the month Hecatumian and this is still celebrated. Then, laying aside the royal power, as he had agreed, he proceeded to arrange the government, and that too with the sanction of the gods. For an oracle came to him from Delphi, in answer to his inquiries about the city, as follows. Theseus, offspring of Aegeus, son of the daughter of Pythias, Many indeed the cities to which my father has given, Bounds and future faiths within your citadel's confines. Therefore be not dismayed, But with firm and confident spirit, counsel only. The bladder will traverse the sea and its surges. And this oracle they say, the sibyl afterwards repeated to the city, When she cried, Bladder may be submerged, but its sinking will not be permitted. Desiring still further to enlarge the city, he invited all men thither on equal terms, and the phrase, Come hither, all ye people, they say was a proclamation of Theseus when he established a people, as it were, of all sorts and conditions. However, he did not suffer his democracy to become distorted or confused from an indiscriminate multitude streaming into it, but was the first to separate the people into noblemen and husbandmen and handicraftsmen. To the noblemen he committed the care of religious rights, the supply of magistrates, the teaching of the laws, and the interpretation of the will of heaven, and for the rest of the citizens he established a balance of privilege the nobleman being thought to excel in dignity, the husbandman in usefulness, and the handicraftsman in numbers. And that he was the first to show a leaning towards the multitude, as Aristotle says, and gave up his absolute rule, seems to be the testimony of Homer also, in the Catalogue of Ships, where he speaks of the Athenians alone as a people. He also coined money, and stamped it with the effigy of an ox, either in remembrance of the Marathonian bull, or of Taurus, the general of Minos, or because he would invite the citizens to agriculture. From this coinage, they say, ten oxen and a hundred oxen came to be used as terms of valuation. 
having attached the territory of Megara securely to Attica, he set up that familiar pillar on the isthmus, and carved upon it the inscription giving the territorial boundaries. It consisted of two trimeters, of which one towards the east declared, Here is not Peloponnesus, but Ionia. And the one towards the west, Here is the Peloponnesus, not Ionia. He also instituted the games here, in emulation of Heracles, being ambitious that, as the Hellenes, by that hero's appointment, celebrated Olympian games in honor of Zeus, so by his own appointment they should celebrate Isthmian games in honor of Poseidon. For the games already instituted there in honor of Melicertes were celebrated in the night, and had the form of a religious rite, rather than of a spectacle in public assembly. But some say that the Athenian games were instituted in memory of Skyron, and that Theseus thus made expiation for his murder because of the relationship between them. For Skyron was a son of Canethus and Heniochi, who was the daughter of Pythias. And others have it that Sinus, not Skyron, was their son, and that it was in his honor, rather, that the games were instituted by Theseus. However that may be, Theseus made a formal agreement with the Corinthians that they should furnish Athenian visitors to the Isthmian games with a place of honor as large as could be covered by the sail of the state galley which brought them thither, when it was stretched to its fullest extent. So Hellanicus and Andron of Helicarnassus tell us. This passage continues with Theseus meeting the Amazons. But in our next episode, his story comes to an end in the epitome of Theseus.